It's time to grab the bull by the horns. Thank you, Buck Martinez. I can't believe he sits in my basement just to record that opening line every single week. Thanks, Buck. You know, yep, you know how to get out of here, right? Okay. Yep. Yep, grab the bull by the horns. You did it. You did it already. Okay, thanks. Sorry about that. Sometimes he gets confused. Welcome to the show. This is Beer and Bullshit. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Johnson. Um, Not with me once again, my not-so-trusty sidekick, Chris Pellerin, unavailable this evening because he had tickets to go see the London Lightning, which is a basketball team here in London, if you're not aware. Check them out. Get struck. I think they're in the playoffs, and that's a huge deal, apparently. To Chris Pellerin, much huger than being on the podcast, clearly. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm not actually mad. We had a great show tonight. We've got uh, Aaron Prothrow, who is the owner of Mascot Brewery in Toronto uh, and Etobicoke, and now the owner of Kensington Brewery. They have purchased Kensington Brewery. So we're going to talk to Aaron tonight about uh, being the only black brewery owner in Canada. Uh, We're going to chat with him about his two locations and what the plan is for Kensington Brewery. In personal news, we're getting closer and closer to completely selling out this podcast. Um, Not actually, but kind of. We will soon be hosting this show on the Blackburn Media Network. What does that mean for you? Almost nothing, frankly. Uh, But the folks at Blackburn are going to... uh, promote and host our show and so i'll probably start doing some radio spots to promote the show which is weird you know radio commercial pushing people to podcasts but that's uh how we roll these days uh and uh we will be selling some probably pretty local advertising so you're gonna hear some uh southwestern ontario and midwestern ontario businesses getting shout outs on the show um and you're just gonna have to deal with it because i need some money no but this show costs a little bit of money and so (laughs) it's actually cost me money now and soon it will not and i'll have money to do fun things like make some merch we've got i would say maybe three requests for merch ever so that's a lot um let me know if you're into that um do you want would you wear a beer and bullshit t-shirt beer and bullshit hat do you guys want to see some some Pellhead gear for the Pellheads out there? What does that look like? Let me know. Uh, holler at beerandbullshit.ca. We're going to do some fun stuff now that we're raking in all the big bucks. And uh, apologies if you listen to uh, 98.1 FM Classic Rock in London, Ontario, because you're going to soon hear advertising for Beer and Bullshit podcast. That goes for you too, uh, Cool 106.3 in sarnia and uh mix 96.7 blackburn owns 13 radio stations and so i'll be i'll be out there getting her done southwestern ontario on terrestrial radio um driving people to the podcast which is cool i'm excited i hope you are too i mean it's merch and it's local businesses what's not to love um yeah, before we get started, I just wanted to, I don't know, not to be a Debbie Downer here, but uh, sometimes we need some Debbie Downer on this show. Uh, we talk a lot about craft beer being as, 
inclusive space and uh, we like to tout our values and whatnot. Then we get constant reminders that this actually isn't super diverse and accepting space that we all like to pretend it is. Um, talking, of course, about the Craft Brewers Conference. This is a, the American Craft Brewers Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, this week, they hosted a seminar called Using Your Privilege as Your Superpower, which is just all kinds of yuck. Uh, apparently, the concept was like learning what privilege is, and then I guess recognizing you can use it for good and i maybe understand that it was about taking responsibility as a privileged person but the wording is just fucking horrendous it's basically saying like recognize that people listen to you because you're a white person and that's awesome at least how that's how it seemed to come across and i'm not wrong in reading that the description of this seminar uh was going to lead to a really shitty seminar because uh our friend, uh, Ren Navarro, founder of Beer Diversity, which is an organization she created to improve diversity in craft beer. She's been a guest on this show. I was a guest on her show when she had a podcast. She actually bounced early from the Craft Brewers Conference in Tennessee because her experience at the conference was so shitty, uh, primarily related to this exact event. Uh, she was actually there to talk about diversity in beer and the importance of having a value statement as an organization and as a business. And uh, it was such an uncomfortable place to be that she left. So that's fucking whack. Um, if you got some time, dig in on the internet, find out what happened, and, you know, shoot some emails to the Craft Brewers Conference. I mean, the, sorry, the Craft Brewers Association, who, who led the conference. Uh, yes, it's the American Craft Brewers Association, but, uh, you know, it's the same shit here as it is there. We're actually about 10 years behind so presumably you know the ontario craft brewers conference will have an issue like this in 10 years <laughs> i'm kidding of course but i mean we do have all the same fucking shit they have here and it's not the uh mega inclusive hug fest that we all pretend it is uh people of color and minorities and uh the lgbtq community definitely don't exactly feel super safe in this space so to the it's all that matters is what's in the glass, folks. No, it doesn't. There's humans here that don't feel safe yet. So, you know, keep doing the work. Um, reach out to people. It's worth it. Diversity is good. We're going to talk about this today. So, I mean, coincidence that I'm talking to the only black brewery owner in Canada this week. Uh, uh, but that, that's saying something right there. <laughs> Why is there only one? We've got work to do. Uh, Ren, if you're listening, please don't become a landscaper take some time off and get back out there. We need you. Um, but, uh, you know, Ren needs us too. So, you know, doing this shit alone is probably fucking exhausting. So do what you can. Make this an actually inclusive space. We need to make some space at the table for diverse voices. Or, you know, maybe just build a whole new fucking table. And lastly, before we get to our much more interesting than me guest, shout out to D Foresters uh cool band they let us use their music on the show yes i use like eight seconds of it for an intro and then another 10 for the fade out but uh you should listen to all of their music in longer intervals than eight and ten seconds and don't even fade it out listen to the whole thing at full volume for the whole time you find them online their music's on spotify they're touring i don't even know if they listen to this show but uh 
Matt let me use their tunes, Matt from the band, and we do appreciate it, and I like their tunes. So if you like good rock tunes, check them out. Okay? Cool. Here's Aaron. Well, it's nice to uh, finally connect with you. Yes. I will say I bought four pillies in advance of our call last week, but they're gone. <laughs> I was Shoot. hoping to I was hoping to drink your beer on the call, but they didn't make it through the week. No worries, man. I, I was actually like, I was like, shit, I should have a beer. So I went in my fridge and I, I found like one of my um our October fresh beers. I'm I'm a Marzen. So I was like, hey, let's see if this thing's still good. So I'm gonna give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> i don't have any i don't usually have any beer at my house I, like it's weird but um because the brewery is so close yeah you don't need to bring your work home cheers you know? cheers well i'm drinking local i drink a lot of anderson craft ales because they're nine minutes from my house and they make a killer new zealand lager and it's summertime so i got a case of that in the garage i feel that yeah they're great guys we were pouring some of their stuff on tap a while ago Oh, nice. Do you guys have guest tabs? I honestly haven't been since like your first location. Like, I don't know how long ago that was. Well, I mean, we haven't really done any guest taps since the pandemic. You know, we were really just focused on our own, our own lineup, but now that we're kind of, it's like really the first opening of our patio season because we were locked down for three months last year. So, you know, it was kind of a weird year um you know a lot of uncertainty and i think now it's finally you know we're over hopefully this this the covid scare and and people are coming back now full force and we're looking to you know get back to regular operation this summer that's record time we always mentioned covid on this podcast but you got there in like 30 seconds (laughs) (laughs) cool like i perfect let's get it out of the way (laughs) let's get out of the way it's done now i have to mention it again um so as Mary or mascot's been around, mascot's been around for eight years. Yeah, 2015 when we started. Does that seem crazy to you? It seems crazy to me. I feel like I remember mascot being like a new brewery. Eight years it, seems like a long time. It's eight years, and I was actually kind of working on it two years before that, working on kind of what I was going to do in the space. So, yeah, it's been it just blew by. You know, uh, it just it just flew by, and it's weird to me to, to say eight years. Yeah, um, yeah, it just flew. And I feel like you guys, I don't know, you function on like a, I don't know, you're like not the typical craft brewery. And I mean that in a nice way. Like, I mean, you're not in the conversation with the like standard breweries that have been around for the same amount of time. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of became aware of you guys, like, uh, kind of low key, which isn't maybe isn't a nice thing to say to guys promoting, a brewery, <laughs> but like, you guys have been pretty low key, right? You know, in the craft beer world, yes. Yeah. You know? I think like our, our consumer is, you know, not regular craft beer consumers. I think the whole thing, you know, when I, when I got into mascot and started with a, like a brew pub model, you know, I, I knew I wanted to do something in the space, but I wasn't exactly sure what I just knew I felt something, you know, there was a feeling that I had on what I wanted to accomplish with mascot. And I, I kind of felt like at the time there was no representation of black ownership in craft beer. And actually there still isn't um, in Canada. And I knew that that was different, but I didn't really pay too much mind to it, you know, and how I felt. And I think that, you know, when we got into it, we were, we didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't a craft beer person. Like I wasn't in the industry. I come from a completely different place, different like mind. clubs, right? You, you were managing Yeah, clubs so I had clubs and restaurants. Um, so, you know, I came from, I also had another company I started when I was younger. 
So I had experience in the, in the consumer packaged goods space and developing products. Um, you know, so I, I just came from a, a different mindset. And I think for me, my, I was really laser focused on, you know, bringing something to the table that people could really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And anything that was a barrier to that for me was a problem I needed to solve for people. And I, I thought that coming in as an outsider into the industry, there was always a level of, you know, pretension and elitism that mm -hmm. I think contradicted how I felt as a person about beer, especially coming from the East Coast, you know, and I think the purpose of beer coming from the East Coast is an inherently social thing. Mm -hmm. And it's really about bringing people together. So I, I didn't feel like that was being represented in, in craft beer in an authentic way. Um, and not just, you know, people, but different ethnicities in the space. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I've done some like digging on this too, because like it is a really like white space. And it's like, why? My question is always like, why? But I think it's like, I don't know, beer in North America, at least has come from like a, a privileged place, right? Like, I mean, it's like, it takes some money to launch a craft brewery or like, Hey, it's always like three guys who played hockey together. And like, you actually don't talk about the fact that they actually had pretty successful careers in doing yeah. something and they had the money to go play with this other thing. So it's like, there's like this myth of like, Oh, we just were in our garage hanging out. Also <laughs> we had a million dollar startup. Like it's yeah. not really. So yeah, I never really understood. Like, I mean, I guess I do now, but like digging into like, where does that, place of privilege come from I mean, beer historically isn't necessarily a, a white thing but like there seems to be not a lot of space for people of color in north america in the beer world and i i don't get it and i know your ethos is like you want to reach out to other black owners and you want to see how that influenced your story and your brand so i think that's really cool my question is like what is that what, what does that look like like what how does your story and how does being a black brewery owner influence your brand? Well, you know, I think, I think everyone's brand or a lot of people's brands, especially if it's a small business, it's, it's an extension of their own, you know, ideologies when it comes to life and things. And, you know, I think it, like for me, it's about being an entrepreneur, like in, in kind of my upbringing and as an entrepreneur and trying to create a space where I felt like I belonged. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what inspired my creative mind to want to, you know, make those things like create those spaces create those experiences for people so i i think that you know your personal experiences are going to have impact on your business as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. as it molds your perspective on life right and your perspective on life is really kind of where you get the inspiration for your business you know, you're able through like the subconscious, you're able to see a lot of things happening around you. And whether it be by design with the pe people you surround yourself with or not, um, you know, that molds kind of your interpretation of the world and the patterns that you recognize and the opportunities that you see in it, right? Yeah. So I think it's only natural that, you know, your ethnicity or kind of whatever your identity is, is going to have an impact on how you do business. Yeah, I think uh, the opposite is true too. Like if I come to it from a marketing background, but like if you're coming to it and it's not your authentic voice, it's, you can smell it, right? Like, I mean, anyone who's coming to it and they're not putting their own voice on, like when you have like, you know, the intern who doesn't really understand your brand doing your social media, whatever it is, and it's not your authentic voice, 
I feel like people can feel that or when you're trying to reach out to different communities and you're not actually like doing the work, it's not authentic. People can sense that. So whatever your background is, I think if it's not coming through in your brand, it's, it's a turn off. So like to embrace it, I think, I mean, good on you. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't always that way. You know, I, I fell into that trap, you know, and I told you I, I was kind of researching beer for the first couple of years and I didn't embrace it. Mm -hmm. It was more of trying to fit in to, to what I thought what craft was. Right. And it wasn't until I really, I always had a feeling, which is why mascot kind of always had a vibe because it was an extension of that feeling that I had, but I could never really articulate it until the pandemic. Let's put it again out there. Yeah. yeah. How many times can we mention it? Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Once, the, once you've cracked the seal, it's a nonstop. You can talk about it all you want. <laughs> yeah. But, and I really like, so I came at it from a brew pub model because for that reason, I knew how hard it was to develop a product, have an experience with product development and to market a product, bring exposure. And to your point, like, unless you got a fucking bankroll, you know, if you're going to go start your own production facility, you're not going to make it, you know, yeah. like you're going to have to, or like you have to have a ton of money to figure out to, 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 you know, um, make a lot of errors, expensive yeah. errors uh, before yeah. you can figure it out. And I, I felt like the, you know, it was a very comfortable space for me in, in, in hospitality and food and beverage. And, you know, I thought it was a good opportunity for me to learn and, you know, understand the people Yep. and then figure out how, as a brewery, what our voice was going to be in that space. And in that, you know, in that whole experience, I really realized that, hey, I really have a different perspective than a lot of these craft beer people. And that's okay. I need to embrace that. Yeah. That's really what this year is about. You know, it's kind of been this transformation in myself and a transformation in our business to really embrace, you know, the whole ethos of chill craft, you know, which is essentially trying to take the pretension out of craft beer and trying to remove the barriers to ultimately bring people together through delicious beer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's take it back. I mean, you're a club owner club. Was that what you own clubs previously? Yeah. I own clubs. Um, I own bars. Okay. So you're like, okay, crap, this craft beer thing is taken off as a lot of people did. Some too, some came into it in a way that was like immediately inauthentic. I won't name names, but some of them you're just like, these people are trying to cash in. This is a contract brewing. They're trying to make it a cool brand. But I mean, as a, you know, as a black brewery owner, I don't, what, what you didn't have a model to look at, right? Like, what is that? What does that model look like? You're like, I'm going to try to fit my square peg in this round hole. Cause what does that <laughs> even look like? Well, you know, you never have it figured out when you start. Right. Right. But I always had a passion for beer and my passion for beer came from a social perspective. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until, you know, I didn't really know what craft beer was. Um, you know, I knew, I knew about Propeller and I'm from Nova Scotia. So I knew about Propeller Brewery and my first time drinking Propeller, I was like, whoa, like this is crazy. Um, you know, it didn't taste like anything I'd ever drank. And this is from coming from someone who drank, um, you know, blue and, and Canadian and, right. and you know, <laughs> Olin's, you know, so it, it's like, I didn't really know kind of what that was, but I knew it was interesting and I never really explored it because I actually, you know, I was really in the fitness for a while. So I was, I was a, a personal trainer. Um, 
you know, I was doing fitness competitions. I was like very immersed in that world. Okay. And and I, I started a, you know, my mom was doing holistics for dogs and, you know, I got what? There. Wait, you can't yeah. just what? <laughs> well, I'll kind of tell you the transition. So, <laughs> through personal training and studying nutrition, I wanted to start my own nutrition company. Okay. Um, but I saw how competitive it was, and my mother is was is really into dogs, and she was doing holistic food, and you know, I had the idea to come to to create a a, a multivitamin dog treat called ProBone. So. Uh, you know, I was around 24, 25 when I, I started it. It sounds treat. made up. I love it, but it sounds dog made treat up. manufacturing <laughs> company. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I know it's so weird. Um, you know, and, and that was kind of, you know, it was opportunistic of me, but um, it was also, hey, this is great because I know this is something good for your pet. Um, and I saw the opportunity and it made sense. And, you know, I, I really jumped on it. I learned a ton about, about product development. Um, and so that's kind of where I first kind of got my my foot in the door with you know consumer packaged goods and, okay. and understanding is, that that space. Is Pro Bone still kicking? Can we are we plugging them uh, right now? Oh, okay. no, we ran out of money a long time ago. That was... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. So you know, but I learned a lot. I learned I learned a ton, and we had a great product. But it's like you know, the thing is, you can have a great product, but it doesn't really mean anything. You know, if you can't get people to buy it. Um, and you can't bring exposure to it. And unfortunately, I learned real quick how hard it is, you know, to make a living off selling $11 a can dog treats, you know, you right. got to sell a shitload and yeah. then how you do that. So that's why, you know, then I got into hospitality a lot more being owners in spaces and operating. And um, to me, it was always about, you know, creating cool shit. Like I always wanted to give people access to things. Right. And I had a perspective on what that was. And I thought, you know, I could make people happy through doing that. Beer is just really another, another um, vessel for me to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so understanding how hard it was to build a product um, without a bricks and mortar in terms like a restaurant, I was like, Hey, this is kind of a cool opportunity. It kind of merges both my skill sets in one. I know how to develop a product. I know how to run, you know, a bricks and mortar uh, restaurant create a hospitality experience, I could leverage that experience to bring attention to the beer that I want to make. And that's really kind of how it all started. Um, you know, I thought that there should be a really cool spot that people could go, but also be able to drink really tasty beer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was kind of the original mindset. Those two things don't, I mean, over a long time, they didn't go together, like cool bars and good beer did not, those were two different concepts i mean i i haven't lived in toronto in almost a decade but like you go to somewhere for good beer and it wouldn't be the best experience right yeah. like if you go to a craft brewery it's like oh we're in like the side of a warehouse like right feel cool or you go to a cool bar and it's like i don't know they don't sell bottle service or, or like a dive bar that's got yeah. like miller like the two never really went together I don't yep. know what that, I don't know what that, why that the vibe never goes together, but it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's starting to, it's starting to like, we see like these crazy, like King West, I think of like craft yeah. taps and these kinds of places, like all of a sudden it's, it's happening, but it, for a long time it wasn't. Yeah. And I mean, I think it gets back to the point of, you know, the, the thing that draws me to beer, it's, it's like people, like you make it, it's the artisanal nature of it really. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I find cool about craft beer. It's like, hey, you can make this product and people can buy it and they can enjoy it. Like, that's cool. Yeah. 
and and that's what kind of drew me to it. It's just this whole whole idea of of making something, and making it in a way that you thought it should be made, um, or you thought it should taste, and having influence over that. Yeah, and, you know, and seeing how people people responded to it. I think that's how everyone kind of like. I don't know. Either you have a drink and it's like revelatory, and you're like, "Holy shit, beer can taste different." Or for me, I will admit it wasn't like that for me. I was more like uh, blog to back in the day when it wasn't the shit show. I mean, it was never great, but it was yeah. better back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but like they were looking for a beer writer, and I was like, "Well, I like beer, and I'm a writer." And I was probably still chugging Bud Budweiser at the time. But I yeah. started doing the investigation and talking to the people. I'm like man, these people really care about what they're building and what they're yeah. making. And this is a cool community. And then I kind of fell into, I'm like, oh, actually they care about quality ingredients. And so I kind of came into it that way. But then like, you get to a certain point, you're like, I'd also like to sit in a nice place and enjoy this. Like, can we, right. can we work? <laughs> oh, like, I'd like to see a little bit of like slick marketing and stuff. Like yeah. it's always an afterthought. So when the two finally like come together i'm always like ah oh, you can do both like you can yeah. have good branding you can have good marketing you can have a nice space to drink this you can and but because of the nature of making though and artisanal nature of it it's not normal that you do no. have no it's because not normal you have someone who's a technician right and they're not entrepreneurial they're just right. they're very great at making beer and that's what they do and that's what they're passionate about that's what they love but it's not a business right right? That's not a business. That's someone who knows how to make great beer and they make great beer. It's like, like when you run a business, you know, there's marketing, there's operations, you know, there's finance, there's all, there, there's all these other, there's sales, there's all these other elements that go into it that you're just not going to know, yeah. right? So, you know, for me being an entrepreneur, I love business, but I also understand it. I love beer too. Right. So it's, it was just second nature to be like, Hey, we should make a cool spot with great beer. That's right. that's the differentiator in that. You know what I mean? It's weird how we, uh, <clears throat> like uh, we, like the craft beer community has kind of historically thumbed their nose at people who come at it from like too slick. Like you're too yeah. slick. Like pump the brakes. Your marketing's too good. Like I think about like Shanda Silva, who's a contract brewer for Lost Craft. Like people were like, oh, this brand's a little too slick. He's all brand. But yeah. it's like, like there's like a the right way to do it you know you got to develop yeah. your recipe and your business model and then you can get cool like try yeah. not to get the branding ahead of the recipe or there's a you know there's a formula for it yeah and i think that's formula's not right like the right. formula the formula is about the customer you know like any brand is built off of you know servicing your customer right, right? and 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 that is the difference between someone who understands branding and marketing and someone who doesn't if you think that your product is more important than your customer, then you're missing the point. Right. Without a customer, you don't have a business. So at some point, as much as you want to make the world's most interesting beer, if no one's drinking it, you don't have a business. Just stick with your garage and do your thing. And that's <laughs> right. perfectly cool. Homebrew like the fuck out of that. There's stuff. nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I respect that. I admire the shit out of that. Yeah. You know? But it's just to do it as a business is a different level you know? Yeah. So when you, okay, so let's back up. You're, you've got the ingredients, you understand what you need to make, but like someone's got to make your beer. How did you go looking for that person? How did you start with recipes? <laughs> well, you know, that is, it's an interesting story. You know, I'm going to tell you kind of the Coles notes of it, but I ended up hooking up with, you know, I hooked up with somebody who, who kind of wasn't the best person initially okay. who duped me quite a bit. 
And, you know, I was licking my wounds and I ended up hooking up with um, Siobhan and we were kind of sharing our, our war stories and we kind of bonded over that. I know Siobhan and I think I had beers with her at your original yeah. location the first time I was ever there. Um, and yeah, like we just really, we just really clicked and, and really kind of, you know, aligned with how we thought about things. And, you know, I think the hardest part about working with someone who's, who's extremely talented at their craft is getting them to buy into what you want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, Hey, let's use your skills, but we want to make beer this way for this type of person, you know? Yep. And like, do you buy into that? Like that idea around that, or do you just want to make what you want to make? Like, right. you know, so if you want to make what you want to make, it's not a good fit. Yeah. Right? Um, so that was kind of the, you know, hooking up with Siobhan was amazing. And, and, you know, I got our buy-in with kind of what we wanted to accomplish with mascot. And, you know, we had a great, great time. And I think that I learned a ton in that whole process, you know, working with her on, you know, how to work with a brewer and really the perspective on, you know, reinforcing my ideas of it has to be the customer first, you mm -hmm. know, without you thinking about it. So you'll see some breweries that the brewers make whatever they want without any rhyme or reason of what the customer experience is. And, you know, they don't typically tend to, to last very long um, for that same reason. They brew with ego, you know, um, and not with a purpose. So for me, it was like, hey, I can get buy-in from someone who's an amazing brewer with this purpose. This is the right way that we need to do this. And we need to find brewers that can execute, you know, beer the way that we want to make it for the customers that we have. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of figuring out how to navigate through that and, you know, how to talk to brewers in a way where they could understand that. Yeah. Do you think if you're finding that balance now or you have like when in the eight, years, <laughs> when did you, when in the eight years did you start to find it or are you still looking kind of, I mean, I think now we're, we're starting to find the balance, you know, we're starting to figure it out a lot more. I mean, I'm, I'm a person who always thinks there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm never, I'm never completely satisfied. Um, but I think now we're starting to hit a better stride and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited about that. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a challenging couple of years with, with everything, the economy and how things went down. Um, but now I think, um, you know, super gracious that we've been able to kind of pull through and, and, you know, start to really actualize the vision nice. of what, where we want to take mascot. And for the first time, you know, we're moving from, like a brew pub model to really a sales and distribution model with our, with our product now. And, you know, we're, we're, we're on the kind of the precipice of something where we're, we're doing a lot of things behind the scenes that we're going to start to kind of bring out. Ooh, I'm hearing large volume production facility, but I can read between the lines when people say these things to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, yeah, like I, I think that the, there's no, there's no plan for global domination or anything like that. Just, <laughs> I don't think there's any room for that anymore. There's too many. There's too yeah. many no one's going to be the dominant anymore. No. Like, make a comfortable living and be okay with that. <laughs> our plan is just really to service, you know, our, 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 the people that love our, our beer and, and really build that community and, and service them better than, you know, than anyone else can, you know? Um, but in order to do that, you know, you need to grow. And you need bigger facility, you need, need more production. And, you know, we ended up, you know, acquiring another brewery. And that was a very long process. And we're kind of like at the tail end of it now of figuring out 
kind of how to navigate that. So we, we required Kensington and, you know, we haven't yeah. publicly come out and said it, but blog PO kind of ran an article without my consent. And it's, it was just kind of a clickbaity shitty article. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was like, you know, whatever, like we're, we're going to put the narrative out there, you know, when we're ready to put it out. And I think like the things people don't understand is when you're kind of merging two businesses, there's a lot of stuff you got to figure out and yeah. you don't know what direction you're going to go in yet, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and for us, it's like, we have this brand, we have this brand of Kensington and a lot of it was me trying to figure out what it was um, and what, how we're going to move forward with it. Yeah. You know? So the plan I is. Mean, huh? No, I mean, I, on face value, I mean, I think my assumption was you're getting LCBO SKUs at least. And then you can figure out the rest, right? I mean, that's kind of where the these mergers and acquisitions are coming from right now. It's like shelf space is hard to come by. You buy a brand, you kind of get a couple more cans on the shelf automatically. Yeah. And I mean, that, that wasn't the initial thought. But yes, that is that is from a business perspective, strategically, that that does help a ton. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to I wanted to understand kind of what Kensington is and was and where because it's kind of the antithesis of what we do you know i I view i view kensington as almost like the old guard of craft where you know and i apologize if i offend anybody but it's like you know the way that i view craft is a lot different than kind of kensington views craft yeah it doesn't mean about the kind of a quality perspective because i think we're we're very aligned in those things Mm -hmm. but it's about which kind of customers we're servicing right? right And it's okay to service different different customers. Like, there's no problem with that. That's what we need to be trying to do. You know, yeah. um, and I, I think that kind of understanding. I love the, I love the story around inclusivity with Kensington and and how they really tried to make that a priority in their business model. And I I admired that. Um, you know, and I think that that aligns with with us too. Obviously, yeah. like being a black owned brewery, of, of right. course. It is. Um, you know, and and so how do we how do we build on that? And, and, you know, the plan is now is just really to start to start slow to to revitalize that we've we've moved, the, you know, the big equipment out of 299 and we're renovating it. So okay. it's going to open as Kensington. Yeah. Um, we're going to have a food concept there as well. Nice. I mean, that location alone is amazing. Yeah. And it's a it's a it's a great space, you know, to to control um, the experience of how people you know, drink your products mm-hmm. for maybe the first time. Um, and then they have a production facility in Vaughn that, that we're now brewing both brands out of. So we've okay. moved all of our production to the, to the one facility so we could streamline operations, have one brewing team uh, brewing both products. Nice. So, I mean, that seems like a pretty great purchase. You've got a production pr- facility for volume and you've got a pretty awesome, you know, hospitality space too. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, we're really excited about that, and and we want Kensington Brewery to really be about Kensington Market, mm-hmm. you know, how they started, and we want to, you know, it's that simple to start, um, and we want to kind of brew some of the, you know, the older brands that they had, like bring right? Back bring up, bring back Augusta Ale, <laughs> bring back the Augusta Ale. So we want to bring back a couple of their of their, you know, their earlier beers. Nice. Um, you know, we don't want to do this complete rebrand and all these things. That's a lot of work, but we want yeah. to kind of just slowly start to, you know, bring back some other old stuff. Nice. I mean, my relationship with Kensington Brewery actually is one of the, one of the first breweries I really like dug in on 
when I was trying to learn about the scene, I went to Burger Bar. I, I don't know if you were in Toronto back in 2012, but like Brock Shepard, who launched Kensington Brewery, he owned a little place called Burger Bar, which was like, I mean, I think they had some cockroaches and stuff. Like it was a Kensington spot, but like in 2012, there wasn't a lot of places that were like, we're all craft beer. And he had all craft beer and he was launching Kensington Brewing. And it was like this thing he did on the back of, you know, Black Oak Brewery. And he had cans and bottles of Augusta Ale. And he, his grand vision was this brewery in Kensington. By the time it came to fruition, he wasn't part of it anymore. So yeah. it's interesting to me how you think about Kensington, because I think of it as like, there was probably a couple compromises before they got to the point where they were launching and in Kensington itself. So to bring it back to a place that's like a a Kensington spot would be pretty cool. Um, I mean, I'm curious, I'm interested to hear that you are going to keep those brands around. I mean, as opposed to just folding, you know, it's a new, it's a, it's an extension of mascot. Is that going to be an extension of your brand or is like a secondary thing? Well, I mean, those thoughts did cross my mind. Obviously I want I looked at all options, mm-hmm. you know, but in my heart, it, it was, Hey, there's customers that love this brand and love this product. And, you know, there's something there. And even if I don't fully understand it, I want to try to build on it. Um, and it becomes a, it, the Kensington becomes a brand in, in, you know, under mascot, you know, beverages, if you want to call it, if that's sure. a way to kind of think about it, you know, where, and it's a sub brand under under mascot now. Yeah, cool. I mean, there yeah, there's been a lot of speculation. Don't don't ever go on beer Reddit, but if you ever have, <laughs> people had noticed that the invoices from Kensington had said mascot, so there was like, what's going on? There was a lot even before Blog To was on the trail. People were like, yeah. something weird's going on. <laughs> but people have been wondering. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're gonna do a post. We're gonna do a big post about it and all and and you know all those things. Now that we kind of have a plan and we figured it out, you know, yeah. we weren't really ready to, to say anything. It's just like, hey, like, oh, cool, we acquired Kensington, but you know, it's like there's so much more to it right so we want to speak to that a lot more yeah there's people there's people there's humans involved right like you gotta be it's delicate yeah Yeah. (laughs) i get it yeah that's cool i mean so you have an you'll have three locations i mean three hospitality like hosting locations and a production facility that that's pretty monster growth in eight years really that's that's a lot yeah i mean it's yeah, I mean, yes, it's great. I'm really happy with that for sure. Um, I think if we could have been on the trajectory we started before the pandemic, we could have been further ahead. But, you know, I think at this point now we're going to embrace that and, you know, we're going to really focus. There's a lot going on. We're just trying to, you know, hire the right people and build the infrastructure to grow this this, this brand, grow properly, nice. um, build the culture um, in the way that we want to try to you know try to create a great space for people to work um it takes a lot it takes a lot to do that and a lot of people working hard to do that so trying to find the right people who who believe um you know in our purpose and what we want to do with mascot as a company that's the plan this year nice i mean it must be working so many breweries right now are struggling i mean it the all the reasons you said life has been hard recently pandemic supply chain blah 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 like people are getting purchased people are joining forces whatever you want to call it closing down you guys are growing i mean i don't think you're trying to reach the standard like craft beer community industry and obviously 
the, the, the environment or the people you're reaching out to, you're making money is what I'm trying to say. Something's working, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's because we really started with the, with the hospitality model. Yeah. You know, and, and like, there's kind of a number for, for production. Like if you're not doing 10,000 hectoliters, you're losing money. Right. Right. Um, especially if that's your main, you know, your main business, your main revenue generator. So like, that's, that's a lot of beer. Yeah. Right. It's a lot of beer to be selling. So I think any brewery, you know, that's out there, they have to have a hospitality. They have to have a tap room. They have to have another way to bring revenue into their business to stay afloat until they can build their brand to a point and get the, get the exposure to sustain on production alone. Mm-hmm. Eat other things to help to help them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I read this on your website somewhere, but you, you I think the quote was, "Why try to get a seat at someone else's table when you could build your own?" Yeah, I love it because, I mean, I spend a lot of time questioning why we can't create more seats at the table. I'm just like, you know, for a while, I was like, I I used to shit on contract breweries. I'm like, why are we shitting on contract breweries? There are people that are passionate about beer; they're right. doing the same thing. Or like, why can't we, you know, invite more people of color, more diversity into this group that we have? But then like, I think about the people who are just like, I don't, I don't actually want to be at that table. And then they go do their own thing. I'm like, this is even better. Like, right. I, 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 again, I mentioned like Shianda Silva is like, he's a brown guy and a contract brewer. It's totally frustrated by the Ontario craft brewing world when you talk to him and he's like, fuck it. And he did his own thing yeah. and did it great. So I love when we're just like, you know what, do something different. Why does it have to fit this mold? It's great. Yeah. yeah and you know, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, you know, like, and that's because it's been my own personal journey journey. It's like, why the fuck am I trying to fit into this thing? That doesn't represent me. Right. <laughs> you know, or, or, or my people or people like me it doesn't yeah. represent the culture. Right. So it's like, why am I trying to fit into this thing and conform? Yeah. You know, to get approval from, you know, people that have, you know, that don't look like me, right? right? So don't understand my life, my struggles, my, you know, they can't empathize with, with me as a human. Yeah. And I, I know you did the, you try, I mean, I'm going to say you tried to do, I don't know where it went, but the black owned collab, but like. We have. Yeah. But I mean, like, would you go looking for black owned breweries in Canada? You're like, Oh shit, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's kind of what happened. And then now we've just been, we got another collab kind of lined up. Um, we're going to start doing them quarterly. Um, but yeah, it, it's just doing them across the border too, though. It's like, wow, America's so different. Yeah, like it's learning, like just forget about black and white. It's like, fuck, America's different, man. People are different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched their video, uh, the guy from uh, Black Calder, and he's like, yeah, I didn't even know there were African Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Like, come on, man. <laughs> I know that one took that one that one took me out. Um, <laughs> you know, but I was like, okay, you know, this is why, like, you know, like we have to educate people more, you know, about about yeah. kind of their, their their history, right? Um, but yeah, it's just I get it though, man. Like, it's just a like Canada is just a blip. Like, it we're is. nothing to the U.S. Like, when you look I at know. breweries there, they're doing like fifty thousand. That's a, like forty thousand hex. That's a small brewery. Like, it's like. You know, yeah. to us, it's like, holy shit, that's like one of the biggest breweries there. It's like, yo, you guys ain't shit. There's way right. bigger craft breweries out there, you know? So you start to get a bigger, like a perspective more on kind of like, wow, like it's such a big market. Yeah. And it's like Canada is just a very small, small, small market. 
Yeah, I mean, we're usually like 10 to 15 years behind the U.S. in beer trends. Usually that's how it works. Yeah. And, you know, with with the black. So with the black owned collaboration, um, you know, I started out with black owned breweries and now it's like more black ownership, you know, mm-hmm. because it's just there isn't enough black owned breweries. And, the, and to collaborate, I have to collab, collab with breweries in the States, which I still want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is difficult, you know, even shipping beer over the border or bringing beer over the border, we can't do. Right. So yeah. it's, it's hard. Um, but it is an initiative that I really believe in, because I think that, you know, like we have to bring exposure to ownership um, and, and representation. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, even for me, I'm not really a, a public guy. I like my privacy. I like mm-hmm. my, like I'm a family dude. Um, I don't like to put myself out there, but it's like, sometimes you have to, you know, and sometimes you have to show representation because it's going to inspire other people to get into the space. And yeah. like, that's what you need. Like you need other people jumping in and be like, oh shit, that person looks like me. And oh, they're in craft beer. Oh shit. They own a craft brewery. Like, fuck, I want to go there. I want to be part of that. I want to do like, you know, and then they, they jump on and then more people jump on and that's kind of how it starts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about yourself eight years ago and you're looking around like I what were you like? I guess I'll try to do what Bose did. Like, what is that? <laughs> I don't know what that looks. Yeah, it's got to be an example. There's got to be some some examples to follow. Somebody's got to kick down those barriers, man. Mm, yeah. No. You know exactly. But I mean, like, I don't have any hard feel. Like for me, I do admire the craft beer industry, and I don't listen it because it is a predominantly you know white thing or male thing. I don't necessarily see a problem in that with that. You know, it's like if it's not done purposely now i do believe there needs to be attention brought to that and questions but Mm -hmm. i don't look down on people because of that like everyone needs to be able to do their own thing and have their thing that they do i just think how craft beer is positioned it just speaks to a certain type of person you know like we want to do that differently like we want to have a different voice to speak to a different type of person right and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, we just want to do it differently. And we like, we want to speak differently. We want to talk differently. We don't want to be like you, like not yeah. you. you know what I'm saying? Right. No, you can say but, me. I mean, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean like you, but you know, I, I know, mean. but look at me, I get it. <laughs> but, but only, but not because there's anything wrong with that, but because, because we want to speak to a different audience. Yeah. You want to create your own thing instead of fitting into the current thing that exists. So like, what, I mean, this is a tough question, but like, what does the black version of this thing look like? Because what, (laughs) what is, what is the black version of craft beer even look like? You know, I I still come, even though I look like this. (laughs) A hundred percent. No, man, it's for everybody. Like, I mean, I think, I think it's like, we kind of try to find like these, these examples and like, kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a super new, like, I'm not one of these people who is radicalized by all this. Like my whole ideology really stems from a place of, you know, just wanting to expose people to a great thing, you know, yeah. that's, that's for everybody, you know? Um, but I think that the, the problem is, is that you have to show the pendulum swing first mm-hmm. you know, before you can come back. So it's like, there's this pendulum swing now where, you know, we're going hard on representing different ethnicities and different cultures. So in order to do that, you have to, you have to understand those cultures. You have to be able to speak to them on their level authentically, which is a word that you said earlier, you know, you can't do it in a fake way. And I think in a, you have to do it in a real way because there's a difference between diversity and inclusivity, right? Diversity surface where inclusivity is, it's in your values, 
and it's in how you operate as a business and it's in how your people look that are represented in your business. So it has to be, you know, a priority for you to hire those type of people in this, in your business to have that representation. Right. Yeah. Great points. I mean, and like, I, I, I'm not saying I don't, and you're not saying this, but like, I don't think craft beer is racist. No yeah. one would say that, but like, it comes from a place of privilege. And so when we talk about diversifying, there's so many people that get their backs up and get defensive. It's like, relax. Like we're just, it's what's that saying? Like, it's not pie. It's not like there's only so much to go around. Like, right. But, and the other thing about it that you kind of touched on is like the thing about equity and diversity is like, it makes everything better. Like forget for a second that yes, being inclusive is the right thing to do. But if you want to make anything like a company, an organization, an industry, you want to make it better it's unquestionably improved by bringing more people into the tent, right? Getting more yeah, perspectives. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah. better. Like, so I, when people yeah. get all fucking defensive about like, we're not racist. I'm like, no one's <laughs> fucking seeing you racist, but yeah. just, it could be so much better if you yeah. just open things up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, it's not fun to hang out with everybody that thinks like you and looks like you and acts like you, at least not for me, you know, yeah. like, you know, and you think about a tap room when I look out and I see, you know, you know, there's, there's my Korean homie, there's my Filipino homie, you know, it's just like, there's all these different people, you know, like that are coming together in the space. And you're like, this is beautiful. This is Toronto. Mm -hmm. This is the new Canadian. Right. And, I miss and, Toronto, man. I miss Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, that's the beauty of Toronto. That's what makes it so beautiful of a city is that you have, you know, all these different ethnicities in one city and everyone's kind of sharing in their experiences and, you know, the food scene is sick. Like you're, 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 you know, you're eating different, different, um, you're sharing cuisines from different cultures and it's very globalized in that respect, mm -hmm. you know, for not many places you can do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an amazing thing about Toronto that, you know, I think it's overlooked a lot is how, how lucky we are, you know, to go out and experience other people's cultures so easily, you yeah. know? And that's not really seen in the beer space yet. No, it's totally. If you're looking no. at like the ratios of like what exists in Toronto, even the food industry, compare the food industry to the beer industry. Like it doesn't. Right. I, I, yeah, it's not. We're not even close yet. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you, do you think craft beer is getting more diverse? You've been in for eight years now. You've I think you've found something that's working. You're obviously bringing more diverse people, if not like, you know, in terms of ethnicity, but like you're bringing people in that maybe aren't like quote unquote beer nerds. You're, you're coming to it from a hospitality angle. You're, yeah. Is it getting, is it getting more diverse? So, you know, the, so when, when you think about it until we start to break down the barriers that exist, that craft beer creates, you're not going to have that. So when you have a level of pretension and people use their craft as a pedestal to look down on other people, mm -hmm. that's not going to encourage other people to want to get into the space. Mm -hmm. You're creating a barrier to entry for people, right? And I think that craft beer needs to understand that better, where it's like, hey, you can be the sickest brewery brewer, have you know the most interesting you know beer in the world, but until we understand that it's about sharing, it's about building community, and it's about you know, lifting everybody up together, that is the priority. 
You know, that's the priority of craft beer. Like in my, in my perspective, I think that's the priority of, priority of beer. That priority supersedes like the idea that, you know, beer has always been a very humble thing. And I think that's its power, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that we lose perspective on that, that, hey, let's go have a beer. Let's go talk about this. Yeah. That let's go have a beer. It's like the essence of what that is, is so important. And we shouldn't forget that about that when we're trying to create, you know, such amazing products and such amazing beers, the essence of let's just have a beer together should never get lost in that, you know, and that's a special thing that wine doesn't have, or, you know, spirits doesn't have, that's a beer thing, you know? And I think like for us, like we want to, we want to bring the essence of what that is back. So I think first craft beer has to understand that better. Um, And then you have to see it actualized you know, with breweries, with like, like I said, build your own table with more breweries, like coming to the table to, to do that, actually taking those risks um, and not trying to fit in, you know, but beat to their own drum. Yeah. No, that makes sense. What you're saying. I'm, I'm, with, I'm thinking about what you're saying a lot, actually. Cause I mean, I, I think about like the, it's more about pubs, but like the idea of pub as like the center of a community and living in a neighborhood that has like one little restaurant I can walk to right now, I'm like, man, I would kill for a good pub because it becomes like it becomes a community hub like it used to be. Right. And it's not about like, I don't know, like, you know, roasted marshmallow stouts and beers that are kind of up their own asshole about like how right. amazing they are. But it's it's just about <laughs> like you, you don't always have to think about the thing in your hand. And, and right. I think we do miss that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, to your point, hey, why can't we have both? Like, right. You know, I mean, we like, can appreciate it as an arty thing, but like also you know, like I, I, I will crush Miller High Life in my garage once in a while. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's still a place for that, too. Yeah. And so and like so for mascot with chill craft, it's our version of craft. So it's really identifying what those barriers are for people um, and using that as kind of our, you know, to accomplish our purpose of bringing people together, you know, through delicious beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's understanding that, you know, beer has a sophistication to it. Um, you know, respecting, respecting the craftsmanship of beer, but presenting it in an accessible way, you know, and accessibility means different things to different people, you know, but for me, when I think about accessibility, it has to be, you know, diverse, you know, in, in kind of the type of people that have access to it. So there has to be an ethical ethnicity to it. Um, And then you're understanding that flavor profile, balanced flavor profile in beer, lighter flavors, more, more approachable flavors in beer. And like, like people who drink craft beer think, oh, wow, this IPA is accessible, but it's like, it's, it's like wine. It's an intellectual thing. Like mm-hmm. as you, the first experience drinking craft beer to where you are now, like over the years is very different to what you think is accessible. And that's a learned thing. So we got to think about the people that are just getting into the space and it's like, fuck, everyone's crushing these light loggers. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. That's their entry. We right. got them in the door now let's see what else we can get them to try. You know, it's like, we got to think about how we can get them in the space to like be feel safe so that we can, you know, get them to try their stuff. Yeah. It's also your like tail end too. Cause I'm there again. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I need crushable. I need crazy. I need sour. I need stats. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I need light lagers, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back there. You know? <laughs> so what's the, I mean, what's the, do your two places, your two locations have a different vibe or is that the, the ethos for everything? It's like, it's the ethos for everything. And, you know, that's what we're trying. Like, I mean, because geographically, obviously the Etobicoke location is a lot more families. Um, mm-hmm. Like we have to embrace like the community geographically and what's going on there. But, you know, we want it to be the same in, in terms of how we train our staff, the products that we have, the same values. It all has to be the same at every mascot that people go to. Um, you know, Kensington, we're, we're, we're now trying to understand what that story is going to be for, for mm-hmm. that for that brand and how that's going to be actualized in the space now. Well, so it won't be, well, like maybe you're not ready, to, but we, you won't slap a mascot banner on that building and it'll be an extension of the brand or you don't quite know yet. I mean, I don't think so. I don't think it's yeah. appropriate. I, like I, first of all, we already have a location downtown. Right. You know? Um, so we don't want to cannibalize. I mean, it is, it is Kensington market. So I don't know how much we would cannibalize, but I think Kensington has its own vibe. And yeah. I think the reason that Brock probably got into it is because he understood that. And I think it'd be, you know, it'd be egotistical for us to go into it, not, not doing like not understanding that first, mm-hmm. you know, and being like, Hey, it's, it's Kensington brewery in fucking Kensington. Like to me, it's like a no brainer. It's like, if, right. it's, <laughs> if it's the only location that we do for Kensington is that location that makes the most sense. Right. Let's embrace that location through that, through that brand. Cool. And now, you, but now you got to compete with Burdock. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. No, I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> hey, com- competition's healthy, man. I mean, it brings more people into, into the space. Like, I love competition. I think it's, people shouldn't be scared of competition because if you're scared of competition, then your shit's not tight enough. You're not doing something different. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta own your own, your own people, right? Like yeah. You gotta service them. Like, Burdock's different than mascot completely. So I'm not worried. Like, yeah, we're going to have some crossover with customers, but you know, our Kensington too, I think it's, it's different as well. Maybe it's a little bit, you know, there's more simulators there in terms of the customer profile, but I think that, you know, it's still very different brands and we're doing different stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so what's, what's, I mean, your world domination isn't on the radar, but what is, I mean, massive distribution, like, I don't see much of your beer here in London, Ontario. Maybe you don't give a fuck about London, Ontario, but like, you know what? It's not even that like, it's expensive to ship beer, man. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we want to, we want to grow in the golden horseshoe. You know, Mm -hmm. we want to like, that's considered, I think our backyard, our goal is to get out to London and get out to the surrounding areas. But I mean, we got to do it little by little. Yeah. We got to, we got to make it make sense. And we don't have the resources to, to, to ship beer out to London, you know, efficiently just yet, but we're working on that. Nice. I mean, you just bought a brewery. You got a baby yeah. steps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be in town in two days. I'm going to come check you guys out. I've, I've yeah. never been to the location downtown. So I'm going to come have some beers. Come through, <laughs> man. See what all the fuss is about. <laughs> yeah. Come through. We're just, we're cleaning the patio. Now we're getting that ready for the, the, summer launch so we're really excited about that patio season's big for us so nice well it's supposed to be like 25 degrees so clear me but on the on thursday i'll be in town on thursday mm. it's gonna be hot i'll be down there hit me up just shoot me a text okay good to talk to you man see you brother okay bye. talk soon bye <laughs>